First Thessalonians 5, 4 to 11. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day would, should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, can everyone hear me? All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Lord's Love Church. It's great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, for those of you who are new with us today, my name is Howard, and I'm uh, the youth pastor here. And it is uh, my joy today to be sharing God's word uh, with you all. And if you guys uh, know that we are continuing on on our series called Authentic uh, Marks of a Biblical uh, Community. And uh, today we are talking about encouragement as uh, Matthew has already read the passage uh, for us. Uh, but before I start, just want to um, say a quick word of prayer. So please uh, join me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that we get to come together uh, to worship you, uh, to have this online platform where we can still gather as a community. And we're thankful for this and we're grateful for this. And God, we lift up uh, today, right now, Lord, um, that your spirit will be here to guide our thoughts and our hearts, that your spirit will speak through your words, God, that we will be able to encounter you and to know your truth more and more and to be changed by it, God. So God, we, we pray that whatever that is distracting us coming in today, God, that you would take that away, that our minds will be focused in you. So we ask God that you, that you guide this time, Lord, and, and um, we can't wait to hear uh, your word. So thank you, God, again for this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so today we are talking about encouragement. So last week, uh, Pastor Doug talked about uh, humility, um, having the same mindset as Jesus because Jesus showed, demonstrated great humility and servanthood, and he came to, here to serve and not to be served and last week was from philippians about how we as followers of jesus need to have the same mindset as him and so today we are talking we're continuing on the series and we're talking about encouragement and how important it is that we need to encourage one another but before we actually get into it which we will focus i need to address one big topic this morning and i want to ask you guys this morning how are you doing and I mean, really, like, how are you really doing? 
if we look at the the current situations or circumstances that are happening in this war right now, what does it make you feel that these things are happening like COVID, the news about high cases and death rates, isolation from friends and family, especially during Christmas time that we don't get to see family. There's like discrimination, there's riot, especially in the South, there's hatred, there's racism everywhere and now us as Asians we're getting a part of it as well because of the virus my question is like what does it make you feel and do these things make you sad and and angry and another question I want to ask is do these things what if that happened to you what if these terrible things actually happened to you and you die like, do these situations actually make you think about more about your life and, and your faith? One thing we know from COVID is through the way it affected one of ours, one of our own, the, the Wong family, that it is real. It is, it's not a hoax, like some claim. It is real and affects us, affects our family. And I'm sure all of us have thought about our family members, especially our parents, because these things are real. And again, like what if these, someone does something evil to you and, and end up hurting you or, or you die from it? In your current stage of faith, would you say that you're ready when Jesus comes back? Or do you still know that you need to get back to the Father and repent? You may or may not guess why I'm asking these questions. And no, I'm not trying to be morbid and trying to ruin your Sunday morning but I think it is important to, to reflect on these things because the truth is death is real. And the reason why we got to start thinking about our life and faith is because we actually don't know when Jesus' second coming will happen. And, and, this is, and the reason why I'm talking about this is because this is what the believers in Thessalonica actually wrestle with. Because in that culture, in that time back then, they were persecuted for their faith. And this is what they wrestled with. They associated their persecution with God's wrath. Keep in mind, they're actually new comforts as well. Even though they know the truth, sometimes they get swayed away from the truth by darkness. And that's why they were questioning about Jesus' second coming, whether there's resurrection or not. And this is where Paul is writing in this letter to encourage them, to remind them of their identity. So in this letter, Paul is bringing words of encouragement and comfort to them. And commentators have described Paul to be showing pastoral care to the Christians. So this passage is where Paul will come in. And afterwards, we can see that after he talks about light and day and in the end, he instructs us as believers now go encourage. As Paul encourages these believers in the end, he reminds us, now you guys do the same thing. So the big idea for today is this. Make, as Christians, we need to make our encouragement our priority because it's part of our identity. This is how important encouragement is. We are called to encourage others because it's part of who we are as followers of Jesus, as children of God. 
is non-negotiable. That when we claim to follow Jesus, our first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God, and then we love others. And one of the ways in which we love is to encourage others. And this is not the only passage in the Bible that talks about encouragement. There are also other passages about encouragement. And this is why it's important for us to make encouragement our priority because it's rooted in who we are, who God created us to be. So let's look a bit of the context in Thessalonica that this is actually Paul's uh, second missionary journey. And when he came, he went to the synagogue. Um, Thessalonica is mainly, um, uh, the main population is mainly Gentiles, but there are a few Jews. And Acts chapter 17, verse 5 to 9 actually talks about, uh, Chapter 17 actually records uh, some of uh, the event. And so we see that in Acts 17 that there were actually a mob of Jews that actually stirred up, um, it was stirring a, a Jew stirring up a mob against Paul. So they were like, they were like attacking him, pushing him off. And at the end, Paul had to leave. He had to leave and he went somewhere else. And that is where he wrote the letter to the believers to try to encourage them because he knows that persecution is real. He has experienced persecution himself. And in the context, just want to say that the imagery of, um, of coming like a thief in the night always occurs in passages about the judgment of the believers. It stems from Jesus' teachings in the gospel. So this is not new language that people back then already knew about this and Paul is just reminding them of this that Jesus will come back one day but we don't know when so Paul actually dealt with two aspects of Jesus second coming the place of the dead Christians and his timing so in chapter four he's talking about the place of the dead apparently there were those uh there were people who were concerned that those who died already before Jesus's second coming will not be resurrected will not go to heaven with him and only those who are alive will go to heaven so that was what they were wrestling with and that's why they were um they were really concerned and so that's why paul in this in chapter four talks about the place of christians no you guys are actually part even those who are dead before jesus is coming they're going to be with him in heaven and then in this chapter he's talking about the timing and how we as christians won't know but it will come so now let's get to um let's dive into a passage right here after this uh right now so the first point is, again, Paul, first of all, before he did anything, was to remind them of their identity. Remember that these believers were swayed away by false lies. Even though they're believers, they still forgot about the truth. They forgot about their identity as Christians, as followers of Jesus, because they were swayed away. And Paul right here is reminding them. So we see, verse 4. Uh, Paul writes, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. In other words, what Paul is saying is we as Christians should not be surprised about Jesus' second coming because we are not in darkness. And the reason why he wrote about this is because back in verse 1 to 3, verse 2, Paul says, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. He's already saying, you guys already know this. We already mentioned this, that Jesus will come back a second time. 
And firstly, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. The only people, what Paul is trying to say, the only people that will not, that will be surprised at his coming are those who are living in darkness. But since you are not in darkness, don't be surprised at the second coming. And for those who are living in darkness, they will, when Jesus comes, they will experience destruction and wrath. And that's why Paul says, remind them, you brothers and sisters, you're not in darkness. Don't be scared. Don't be surprised. And he goes on to verse five. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So again, the point is, the first point is how we live needs to be guided by who we are. And that was the first point. It's that who, how we live needs to be guided by our identity, our identity, who we are, who God created us to be. It's this foundation that gives us direction and vision for our lives. And once we know who we are, who God created us to be, then we know how to live. And when people lose their identity, that's when they often feel lost in their life and they feel hopeless. And that's why as Christians, it's so important for us to remind ourselves to to remember that our identity is that we are children of God. And because we're children of God, how we live actually matters and it should align with our heart. So Paul is saying, remind them, you are children of light. You are children of day. This is their identity. To be a child, to um. To be a child of something is to belong to and be characterized by it. So child, so light right here, we're talking about God. And day, we're talking about the coming of Jesus. So Paul states two things right here. You are, your identity is, you are children of God. And you are children of the day. You're children of Jesus' second coming. That When Jesus comes, you are going home with him. And he's saying, you do not belong to the night. You do not belong to darkness. Darkness here refers to the world of sin that is just completely devoid of the light of God. They are blinded to the light of God. They don't want to know the truth. They don't try to seek the truth. They want things their own way. They want to live their own way. They think that their own way is better than God's way. And that was the issue with what happened back then because the old testament prophets will often speak of false prophets who promise peace but never deliver and these are the people who think they know what these false prophets think they know uh, the truth but they don't and that's why paul right here is saying these people will experience destruction but for you who know the truth hold on to the truth don't neglect god and his truth so you do not belong to the night Verse six, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. In other words, don't become people living in darkness. Don't be swayed. Don't be influenced by the people living in darkness. Don't be like them who are asleep, but instead let us as believers of Christ be awake and sober. The word awake right here is being, another word for awake is being alert. 
being watchful and sober here means either calm and collected or self-control. So if I could put it, don't be, if I could put it another way, don't become people in darkness, living in darkness. Rather, let us be people who are alert, who are aware of how we live and be self-control in how we live. And then seven, for those who sleep, sleep at night and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. And I just want to say right here that verses six and seven is actually metaphorical. It's not literal. All right. Uh, it's not saying that insomnia is a good thing that you should stay awake. All right. So uh, journey youth, don't tell your parents otherwise that not sleeping is a good thing. All right. This is metaphorical. This is to say that those who sleep, it means that they are spiritually unaware, that they lack self-control in their life. So it's not talking literal insomnia. But right here, what for those who are asleep, they are people who are unaware aware of the truth, unaware of the light. And Paul is saying, don't become like them. Hold on to God's truth. So the main point of this is right, is that our life and our actions should be connected to who we are as followers of Jesus. And I love the next part because right here, Paul reminds them of their identity again, that you are children of God. So since you are children of God, there's the call that we are called to take ownership and responsibility of our faith. That there is a calling in our lives that we don't just believe, but we have to live out our faith. So after Paul reminds them of their identity, now he's saying, but since we belong to the day, we belong to Jesus coming and to God, there's something that we can actually do. He's saying, let us be sober. Let us be calm and collected. Let us be self-controlled. There's something that we can do. So even in the midst of our troubles, of our hardships in life, even when we doubt God at times, the gospel, the good news, that in these moments, there's something that we can do. Let us be sober. Let us now take, let, let us now have self-control, even in the midst of uncertainty. And he's saying now how we can do it. And how do we do it is by putting on faith, love, and hope. This is a military metaphor. Faith, love, and hope are weapons for warfare. To put on, to clothe on with a virtue is to make the key quality defining your conduct. These things are key ingredients, key qualities that will define, that will determine how you're going to live. And so when, in the midst of uncertainty and hardships, when we're doubting and we're holding on to faith and we're saying, God, I believe in you no matter what happens. I believe in, believe in you even, and I trust in you even if I don't understand why certain things happen. I believe in you even though I don't know how long my hardship is going to last. And then love, God, I will still love you no matter what will happen. And I'm going to put my hope in you no matter what will happen. That when we do all these three things, that when we hold on to it, that we're able to fight against our spiritual battles, the darkness that's trying to control our lives, to take over our lives, that we have the light of Christ in us. And because we are children of God, we actually have the strength from God to actually fight against the darkness. So in the times when we are in distress, when we, when, when we feel like we're experiencing chaos in our lives, 
that there's something that we can do as children of God to hold on, to put on faith, love, and hope. This is what we can do. Because why? Verse 9, we can do these things. We can put on faith, love, and hope because God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You get that? God did not destine his children, his followers, for, for death, for wrath. Instead, he, he offered salvation. Remember that, that even though as Christians we sin, that that doesn't define us because God is there already. He already have, has victory over sin and death. And that's why we're able to put on faith, love, and hope. And the wrath, again, I want to point out that the Old Testament prophets often associated the day of the Lord with wrath. So typically viewing the threat of invasion by foreign armies as expressions of imminent wrath on Israel. So whenever Israel faces attacks from other foreign um, countries, that they automatically view that as the wrath. But Paul saying, no, like you guys misunderstand that your persecution right now does not mean God's wrath. This is not God's wrath. But Paul also reaffirms that God did not point for them to experience wrath. In other words, believers should not consider persecution to signify God's wrath, okay? But faith and suffering are both part of it. So yes, we're not going to experience God's wrath, but we will still experience persecution and suffering. But the difference is this, that God is still on our side that God is still walking with us. And this is the encouragement that Paul delivered to uh, the believers in Thessalonica. And he also write in contrast about wrath. He didn't just write about wrath, but in contrast, he wrote about salvation, that there is salvation on them, for them. And judgment will come to those who continue to live in darkness. Verse 10. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Whether those who die before Jesus' second coming, and when he comes, everyone is going to go with him, those who believe in him. So while they're wrestling that, Paul reminds them of this truth. And after all that, the third point is never stop encouraging. After all that, after Paul reminds them of their identity, that they're children of God, and he reminds them because you're children of God, there's something that you can do, that even in your uncertainties, in your battles, that you can actually put on faith, love, and hope. And he encourages them with these truths. He says in verse 11, therefore, okay, after all this, therefore, as a result, Encourage one another and build each other up. Just in fact, you are doing. And we got to keep the last line. We got to remember the last line, just in, as in fact, you are doing that. He's saying that you guys are already doing that, but keep doing that. Never stop encouraging that even when you are being swayed away, come back to your truth, come back to God, encourage one another. You see, as a church, we are called to be contributors and not consumers. 
it's good to receive, it's good to grow by receiving the word, but that's not all about the church. That church is also about loving and caring for others to encourage them in their faith and spiritual walk, to encourage others, to encourage the brothers and sisters in here. And following Jesus isn't easy. And that's why God intends us to be a community together. That's why we come to church to worship God, but yet we will learn how to support one another in our faith, to encourage one another. Because living and following Jesus is hard. But when we're together in the community and we're supporting one another, you know how great that is? When we get to pray for one another. So my question for you is this. Where are you at in your life and faith and in your spiritual walk with God? Have you been encouraging people around you? people in your life group, people at church, or even people that are not believers, that you make the habit to encourage them. And this, is, this question isn't to guilt trip anyone, but to raise more awareness of the way that we are living. We all face battles for ourselves, but God also challenges us to care for the needs of others. And it's non-negotiable. It's part of who we are as followers of Jesus. So my question is, after looking at today's passage, do you think we are living authentically as a biblical community if we never encourage or try to encourage others in their faith journey? Do you think we are considered a biblical community? God clearly is God clearly reveals his heart for his church through scripture, that one of the ways in which we love him and others is through the power of encouragement. In fact, if we miss this point, if we miss the point that we need to encourage, we may also miss a piece of being an authentic biblical community. Essentially that we're not, if we're not encouraging others. So to love God and others, is what God has instructed us and encouragement is one of the ways in which we do it. And next week, Pastor Doug is going to share about how that looks like specifically. <clears throat> Sorry. I want to finish off with a story that I felt super encouraged that has actually made a difference in my life. <clears throat> it was not too long ago, winter conference um, in Surrey. Um, it was the last adult worship session. It was a prayer session and, and an altar call. And during that time, I was wrestling with something. I've, but I've started to see improvement and victory over it. Um, but at the same time, I still wanted prayer as um, encouragement. So I felt this sense that I should be, that I should ask for prayer from a pastor as a source of encouragement and affirmation of God's love and grace to deliver me. Because even sometimes I can doubt God's love, that I need prayer to direct my thoughts back to his truth. And that, and that night I felt like that's what I needed in my life is, is prayer 
as confirmation encouragement. But I hesitated because I was afraid to tell my story again and to ask for prayer. And, and it was also a crowded night that night. And, and I was lazy. I didn't want to get out of my seat and then just walk all the way around because the prayer room was outside. So I hesitated, but then I heard Kat's voice, two things he said to me. The first one's conviction. He's like, how can you encourage others to go for these prayer sessions if you are, feel afraid to go for yourself? <laughs> if you're gonna be afraid and you're gonna let that determine your decision. I'm like, that is true. I can't tell you guys, encourage you to go ask for prayer if I don't go for prayer myself, right? It's, it's the truth. And then the next thing I heard was God actually saying, because Pastor Doug was at that conference and God was saying, Goldie Doug, Goldie Doug, Goldie Doug. And he said, because he is your pastor and friend. So I went to Doug I, I, and I was, and it was a crowded place. It was just awkward trying to get around people because people were praying, right? You don't want to tap them and disturb them. So it was an interesting way to get out. But after I finally got out, um, as I was going out, Doug was coming back in and I was trying to get his attention. But at first, Doug thought I just needed to know where the room was. So he's like, oh, no, no, it's just over there in that room. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I actually need to talk to you right now. Like, if can I talk to you? And I need prayer. Um, and it's like, sure. So, so that's where I start sharing. I share about my prayer requests um, to Doug uh, because he knew exactly what I was going through. Like I've told him before, um, and, I, and I told him what I, why I needed prayer and um, that I just needed encouragement and prayer. And, and let me tell you, after I share that again, uh, share some of the victory, but I just needed more prayer to, to, for, for more motivation and victory. After I shared this, this is what Doug said to me. Thanks for sharing. I've actually been praying for you since the first day you've told me. And when he said that, I actually started to tear up. When he said, I've actually been praying for you since the first day you've told me. Like, how is it, like, you know how encouraging that is to hear? That after the first time you told someone about what you wrestled with, that they already thought about you and they actually kept you in their prayer. It wasn't something that was brushed off as if he only heard the first time that was it, but he remembered me in his prayer. Because that night, quite frankly, I didn't plan to, to cry. All I wanted to do is get out, get prayed for, ask for prayer, and then come back in and worship. I didn't say, I want prayer and I'm going to cry. I want to cry. None of that. I wasn't planning to, but as soon as he said those words, I've been praying for you since the first day. That brought so much encouragement to me that I, and I started to tear up. A simple word and encouragement because of that night has actually helped me overcome my struggle. That through that prayer and through the way that Pastor Doug ministered to me that night, that brought so much encouragement and motivation for me to fight against the things that I wrestle with. And it was a God moment. Can I tell you this? It was a God moment that night because Doug told me he was actually supposed to go back in that night to go and do something. But he also felt he somehow, but that night he also sensed that he was supposed to stay because he felt like 
he sensed that God was telling him to stay because there was supposed to be one more person that he's supposed to pray for. He didn't know who, but that person didn't come in the end. And then in the end, he ended up going back to service. And as he went just back into the service, that's when I came out. And that was the moment God that provided that moment where Doug ministered to me and prayed for me. And he set that mo moment up. And that was God's story right there. That God spoke to Doug and also told me and we connected together. So church, what would it look like if our community began encouraging people to encourage each other through prayer and regular check-in? What would the unity of our church look like if we constantly check in with one another, with the people in our life groups or with people that we don't see regularly to see how they're doing? What if we start doing that? We start texting them, that we start setting up meetings, even if it's a show to see how they are doing in their everyday life. What would that look like if we incorporated so much time for prayer with one another to be honest with the things that we wrestle with, but also the things that we uh, have victory over? What if we come together as a church and, and have this type of closeness and where we can encourage one another? What would that look like? So my question for you, is this something that, that we could do for others, that you as you individual that you could do? Who is someone that you could check up on, that you can follow up to see how they're really doing and actually not just text them, but to keep them in your prayers and to follow up with them. What does it look like? Because this is a powerful way of encouraging others. It's through prayer. Guys, we are called to encourage others in their faith, life and faith journey. This is who we are as followers of Jesus. It's non-negotiable. This is what being an authentic biblical community looks like. So let's start making it a priority because it's rooted in our identity as followers of God. And lastly, when you do start encouraging, never stop encouraging. Keep going at it. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you, God, for how you demonstrated your love for us on that cross that you took our, our shame and our sin upon yourself, even though you didn't do anything wrong. That because of this, God, that we are free and delivered from our sins. And we're thankful for that, God. And as a church, as we have experienced your love, may we also be stirred by your Holy Spirit to now start encouraging others in our community to encourage them in their faith, to start praying more for them, to keep it, make it a habit and a priority in our lives. So God, we thank you for your word and how your word also encourages us in times that we feel down. And may we, as we experience your love and encouragement, that we also start to encourage others. So we thank you, God, for your truth. And we thank you for your love and being the light this world. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.